0: My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. This morning, as I record this podcast, I'm sitting here with our new cat. It's a good cat and well worth the healing scratch wounds on my arms. But as much as we enjoy our kitten, our family's path towards this moment has been winding. And ultimately, that path has taught us about the hospitality of our Haitian friends. One month ago, I got up in the morning to walk into the kitchen to get a cup of coffee. As I flipped the switch to turn on the light, something scurried across the tile flooring and behind the refrigerator. Despite the early morning, there was no doubt about what it was. It was an enormous rat. I bravely jumped and ran back into the bedroom. Before talking to Hannah, I calmed myself down and billed the creature as a mouse slash rat, certainly more palatable to Hannah. And I did what my newly formed Haitian instincts told me to do. I did not go to the hardware store to get traps or call an exterminator. I walked over to Carmel's house and asked if we could borrow their cat. To understand our relationship with cats, you have to know a previous story. In August, Hannah came into the kitchen one day and noticed that something smelled amazing. She asked her cook, and the cook smiled and lifted up the lid to what is our biggest pot. There, skinned and looking very lifelike, was a roasting cat. I got a call that day, and the explanation came out. Our guardian had, quote, gotten a good deal on a guo sha, translated as a big cat, and everyone at the home was very excited about it. Now, cats were eaten in many parts of Haiti, um, particularly in December, but really all throughout the year, so everyone was excited about this feast. Later that day, my driver and several others basically forced me to try it. And if you're wondering at home, it is a red meat, it is not white, and while... You would expect it to be tender, it's actually very chewy. With this bizarre introduction to cats in Haiti, when Mimi first came to our house, we expected her to stay only for a short time. She had been lent to us by one of Carmel's neighbors, Miss Beatrix, an elderly woman who we knew fairly well. Carmel's cat had been pregnant, and it was felt that she would not be an effective hunter. Mimi was to be a working cat. In the words of Carmel, if patients have an animal, there's a reason. Cats for mice and rats, dogs for protection, chickens for eggs, goats for food, mules for riding. On top of this, we had never thought of ourselves as cat people, really not even pet people. So we expected there to be no emotional attachment. We set her down in the kitchen and included a small allowance of food from our table as incentive to get to work. We assumed that she would be with us for the next week, so we didn't bother to buy kitty litter. We just let her do her business on the tiling and cleaned it up later. But the cat was different than we expected, and perhaps we should have seen this coming. In our experience with other Haitian cats, they're much more grateful for love than American cats. The cat wanted to sleep in Hannah's lap and cuddle next to her while we watched a movie. On days when the internet was bad at the clinic and Hannah had to work from home, she kept her company. Soon I noticed that work detail was being neglected, and the cat was increasingly sleeping in our bed and not out on night patrol in the kitchen. In the occasional loneliness and isolation of being in another country during a pandemic, Mimi was becoming a welcome light in our home. But then came the problem. The week had lapsed, and the time had come to return Mimi to Miss Beatrix. Hannah told me that I was to go to Miss Beatrix and negotiate whatever it took to allow Mimi to stay. Hannah gave me the somewhat ridiculous sum of $200 that I was to offer for the cat. I walked over to Miss Beatrix, and I told her how much my wife loved Mimi and asked if we could buy her for $200. That sum of money is an absurd amount of money for a cat, which in Haiti is usually valued around $12 to $13, although those prices are generally based on cats that are being sold to be eaten. Miss Beatrix said that she could not sell Mimi, that actually she loved the cat very much. And I was saddened, but I understood this. This was her pet. I gave her back Mimi, and I started to walk out of the house. Um, As I got to the gate, I was still wondering how I would break the news to Hannah. But then I got a call, and Miss Beatrix asked me to come back. She and her daughter, they had talked, and if Hannah loved the cat so much, they would give us Mimi as a gift. And this is what I wanted to talk about with this podcast. This exchange is so emblematic of a characteristic of Haitians. Haitians are actually a very hospitable people. Miss Beatrix could have taken the $200 cold hard cash for Mimi. I mean, this is almost like offering $5,000 for a cat in the U.S. Now, I'm an American. I know what an American would have done if they had been offered that. In my mind, they would have done one of two things. They would have either kept the cat because they would have said, this is my pet and I don't want to give it up, or they would have sold it for $5,000. The last thing they would have done is simply give it away for free. But I've seen this dynamic play out before. My Creole teacher is a friend of mine. Early in my time in Haiti, I realized that he would be the best teacher for me. His English was good, and he was also good at explaining not just vocabulary, but also when and how to use certain words, how to use slang, how to speak like an actual Haitian. So I told him I would give him some beer money if he would just teach me weekly. As an American, I mean, that's something normal to say. If I had an American friend that was going to help me, I wouldn't necessarily pay him a salary, but I would just give him something for his trouble. For example, if my friend Josh helped me move, well, of course I'd at least buy him lunch. But Haitian culture is not like that. Rudy said that Of course, he would do it for free. There was no need at all to pay him. He was just my friend. And this was not simply a nicety to get out of doing something. Every week, Rudy drove to the clinic, and he sat with me for more than an hour to teach me Creole. The same thing happened with another of my friends. Last weekend, I asked if he could help me learn to drive. I told him I would buy him some beers for us to drink, if he would just drive with me and help me to learn, asking in a way that I would ask really any of my American friends. But he told me, in no uncertain terms, that I didn't need to pay him. If he could help me, he would help me. And if not, he would say so. Over time, I've mulled over some of these stories. I don't think I realize the transactional nature, and I don't necessarily mean this in a bad way, that American culture is until you find yourself immersed in another culture. When Hannah and I walk in the mountains, people offer us bottled water and a chair to sit down. The people in the mountains may only have one bottle of water in the entire house, But they want to share it with you, and they know that you're not used to drinking the water, and there is no expectation of anything in return. Before I went to Haiti, I went several times to a Haitian church in my area. I got to know the pastor, and we went out to lunch several times. He was born in the north of Haiti and had immigrated to the United States. The piece of advice he gave me that always stuck in my mind was, let the Haitians serve you, and they will love you. And I thought this was interesting advice. I mean, I was going to Haiti to be a doctor. It was very countercultural and almost antiquated to speak of being served, but how accurate it was. When a Haitian gives you a gift, it reminds you that this is not a one-way relationship. We are helping each other. There is a Haitian saying that I've heard several times that goes, you are never too poor to give or too rich to receive. Yes, there is great need in Haiti, and that's undeniable. Nobody would try to cover that up. But if you are working there, it has to be a two-way street creating dignity. Further, I find that the gifts and services that Haitians give to others is not only dignifying to them, but it is necessary for your own survival. Without countless Haitians who have taken us into their homes, taught me the culture, helped me to practice medicine in an unfamiliar environment, walked me through dealing with the government, and myriad other issues, we would be lost and ineffective. Miss Beatrix should be an example to all of us. The next day, we baked her a cake in thanks. Not as a way to even the gratitude scales, but simply as another gift. Hannah put in a nice card that talked about our appreciation and how much we loved the cat. When we gave it to her, she said, I shared my heart with you, and now you share your heart with me. As we seek to serve others, we should remember her words and her example. I'd like you to know that we are simply telling stories as we have seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a fascinating history. and There are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you and God bless.